Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast, hosted by the Sports Booths. You've got myself and Husey back again. Hey, good day. Uh, another week, uh, super week, as it should be said, yes. because it was super round. Uh, a big week. Very big week. Uh, an interesting week as well, I'd say. Uh, a couple of results went the way as expected. A couple of results didn't quite go the way as expected. Um, all in all, some really good rugby. Yes. Um, what did you make of, of our second ever super round, my friend? Well, I'm going to talk about this more in my, uh, you know, in our best and worst things of the week, uh, because it is it, it, some of the stuff that happened this week is worth exploring in a little bit more depth. Um, I feel like it was an improvement on last Super Round. It definitely felt like there was more interest in this one, um, whether that is the efforts they've put into Super Round itself, whether that's Eddie Jones and all the other multiplicity of factors going into rugby this year. I felt like there was more interest in Super Round this year. And I feel like the schedule was a bit better for Super Round this year as well. I think the fact that they lined up some good games that had some storylines for this one going into the games certainly helped things. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think the the schedule was by far better. I think there's still ways I'd improve on it. But I I would say for learning... Like moving from, it out of Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. Uh, from learning from some mistakes, I definitely think they, they took stuff on board. Um, I... To me, I just can't understand, and the big thing for me will always stick out why it's a three-day event and not a two-day event. Yeah, I don't mind if it's just Saturday, Sunday, um, three games on each day. If you look at Magic Round and Rugby League, and I know we're comparing, obviously, these two sports again, but Magic Round, they got to get through eight games. Super Round, they only got to get through six, so I assume it goes two, three, three um, for Super Round, uh, for Magic Round, so why can't we do just two days of three games? I don't yeah. really understand it. Or even even if it's not Saturday, Sunday, and uh, you know uh, a Friday, Saturday, and people take a day off work or something like that. But yeah, I definitely I agree with that. Like I feel like it's much more of a spectacle when there's three games on in a row. You're sitting there through three games. Like, I feel like you get a bit more of your money's worth, 100%. and you're not having to travel to the game to the stadium three days in a row. Um, and you spend one less day in Melbourne. So there's that positive <laughs> side of things as well. Uh, as a Sydney sider as you are, mate, I understand that. Um, yeah, look, I... You know uh, what, this is this is going to be big for me to say as a New South Welshman, but I'd rather spend three days in Queensland than three days in Melbourne. Wow, that's a huge statement yeah. from you. Jesus. It's huge statement. Huge um, statement. It's just, the, it's just the arrogance of people. I'm no. sure they say it right back to you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we were to go to our best three things from the round, I went first last week. I'd like you to go first this week Absolutely. because I think you've got some really good points to share, my friend. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think it's the top of the list, and it's a team that's um, you know getting close to the top of the table, uh, sitting number three on the ladder at the moment, but uh, you know equal in wins. It's the Brumbies. And getting their revenge against the Blues, and I think it's an extraordinary game for a couple of reasons. So obviously the Blues had two yellow cards in that game, and huge credit to the Blues for managing to score a try while two men down. Um, but they did concede two tries to the Brumbies. So the first half of that game was all about attack, was both teams showing up, and the second half, zero points scored. Zero points scored by both teams, some desperate defense by the Brumbies in there, and the win sealed by Nick White, of all people. Um, and it's a really interesting strategy from Stephen Larkin that we said to open the season where he's his best halves pairing are on the bench to start the game. They're the finishers of his team. Um, and I think that's really come with the philosophy of what we're seeing in rugby in the last couple of years of changing it from, you know, your starting side and your reserves to your starters and your finishers, elevating players to the same level and expecting everyone to be the same standard. And what highlights is better than to have two capped Wallabies players on the bench. You had halves pairing on the bench to help close out a game because he's seeing that as the, the key moments in the game that you want your veterans and level heads on the field for. So I think it's really interesting. I think it's showing, the again, the Brumbies are the, the best Australian team this year. They, they beat the Waratahs last year, last week, so I, I, you know, I can't even, uh, as a Waratahs fan, you know, claim anything different. Uh, and there's no shame in that either. They're a very, very good team, and they're showing that they can stack up against the, the New Zealand teams and the best of the New Zealand teams. This is a Blues team that went to the finals, uh, to the grand final last year against the Crusaders and very, very skilled Blues team uh, as well. Uh, but credit to the Brumbies. And then the, yeah, the second half defense locked, defensive lockdown from both teams was extraordinary. 
uh, yeah, just a, a really good game of uh, rugby. Um, obviously, some Blues fans are not happy about some of the refereeing decisions, but it is it's what both, it is at the end of the day. Wales, exactly, ways, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think if you'd ask a Brumbies fan, they would have rather the calls went their way last year rather than this year. Last year was what mattered. 100%. So, but look, it's a it's a good sign, and the fact that the Waratahs were as close to the Brumbies last week as they were gives me some transient hope, some trickle down hope as a Waratahs fan. Definitely, you take all you can get in Super Rugby, and and you'll take that. Yeah. Now for my uh, second big thing, a uh, second good thing, I should say. Leading naturally on, I just talked about the Waratahs. It's a good win from the Waratahs. The Fijian Dura looked really good to start the game against the Waratahs. The fact they went into the break, tied 10 apiece, and then it was 17 all with about 20 minutes to go. Definitely had myself and other New South Wales fans sweating a bit, right? Uh, and the fact of how physical the Fijian squad was, just battering hard hitters on the Wallabies, on the uh, Waratahs squad, who are Wallabies themselves. Lockie Swinton getting tossed about uh, like a tissue in a laundry machine, in a washing machine, I should say. It was just incredible to see. Um, and uh, some good attacking rugby as well. But then the Waratahs pulled together in the closing stage of that game and ended up getting a lot of points and a bonus point as well, which is uh, very, very necessary in this uh, Super Rugby competition. It was, it was good to see that things weren't totally falling apart with the loss of Angus Bell, a huge loss as that is. A nicest man in rugby overtaking James hey, Blackwell whoa, since whoa, he commented. Whoa, 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 he commented whoa, whoa, on our post, Luke. Whoa, We've got to give him points whoa, for that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to give James Blackwell an opportunity here. Here yeah. right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity, James Blackwell. If you comment on this post, you are the, you hold the official title as the heavyweight champion of the world of the nicest guy in rugby. I, 100%. I, it's a very fair terms. Very fair terms. And if he um, doesn't, but, then we then we'll award it to Angus Bell, and I'll give him the belt. I'll put the belt yeah. around in my way. This is this is it. This is the champ. This is the championship belt right yeah. now. You know? Five rounds, um, full niceness. Yeah. Nicest nicest guy in rugby contender challenger uh, Angus Bell, uh, soon to be champion Angus Bell. <laughs> uh, the his loss it certainly felt by myself and other Waratahs fans, but I think Tom Lambert stepped up to the plate really nicely. Actually, definitely. Uh, he even showed it when he came on for Bell in that uh, game last week against the Brumbies. So he's got a pretty, pretty uh, bright future if he can play through this season and remain healthy, Lambert, I feel like. Um, and, you know, obviously our regular superstars, Max Jorgensen, shining brightly once again, Mark Nwangani Tawase looking good. Um, and, it, and in fact, right, uh, I actually saw for Super Round, the Melbourne Rebels uh, Instagram was putting out some chants, right, for fans, for all five of their fans in the crowd to, to chant, <laughs> you know. Um, but it got me thinking, you know, well, maybe maybe some of our other teams should have a chant as well. And, and it just it came to me. Uh, literally, I was it was in the shower, you know, scrubbing my hair, doing my usual thing, um, singing some Harry Styles because he's right now, you know, uh, <laughs> watermelon sugar. And then it just came to yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just came to me. I'm like, okay, I've got it. I was channeling Harry Styles songwriter energy came into me i found there's actually a really good chant for the waratahs that's just it's only um been a been a, a, applicable in these last couple of weeks and it's to do with uh max Jorgensen, right it's just he, he's coming to the squad um he's uh he's a great talent and it's you know i think he's he's earned a chant that's going to be something that will carry the waratahs for the season because there's nothing like a team song to build up team morale and to inspire great performances. So it goes a little bit like this, my friend. It goes, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah, Maxi J's a waratah. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah, not old enough to drive a car. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah, Maxi J's a waratah. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah, future rugby superstar. And you just repeat that. Super easy. Over and over. Look at that. You've got your own... Um... You'll never walk alone for Liverpool. There you exactly. go. Exactly. The, the Max Jorgensen's never gonna. Yeah. Not old enough to. He's drive never a car. old enough to drive a car. Never <laughs> old enough to drive a car. But that baby face, he's gonna be forty-five, looking on look. You know, forty-five going on twenty-five. So, so just you know, run us through it again. Give us a. a, a yeah. So a repeat. So ooh ah ooh ah ah. Maxi J's a waratah. Ooh ah ooh ah ah. Not old enough to drive a car. Ooh ah ooh ah ah. Maxi J's a waratah. Ooh ah ooh ah ah. Future rugby superstar. Love it. Absolutely Easy. love it. Love that. Easy. All right. We'll like how next Waratahs game we're in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's PG as well, so the kids can get in on it, right? Uh, it's rhyming with waratah, which 
that's not easy to do. Like that's a funnily <laughs> named plan anyway. Uh, and it's one of the rising talents of the game that everyone can get behind. Good kid. That'll be that'll be up there with the old why sucker why sucky Naholo chant. You heard that one? Yeah. You know that one. Uh, uh, remind me of it. Uh, why I, I sang it's your turn sucky now. Why <laughs> and you know obviously yeah. Uh, over and over yeah over and over again. So uh, uh, it could rival it if you get enough Waratahs there. Yeah. Uh, we'll turn it into a mini album, and all of a sudden yeah. you'll you'll be leading the chance at Ali. Oh, Hans. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> me and me and Chazza, me and Charlie again. The chance, yeah. All right. What's your last point, my friend? Last point is that Super Round has been was aptly named this year for some super games, right? Um, two particularly stick out to me. Uh, we already talked about the Blues and the Brumbies, but the other one that's um, obviously generating a lot of headlines is the Rebels and the Hurricanes. Uh, and your boy, Adi Savia. We won't talk about it too much now because I understand we've got that coming up later in the program. Okay. Uh, but that was another close one. But outside of that, I, I don't, maybe you could tell me this, but this feels to me like it's got to be the highest scoring round in oh, Super Rugby history. It was. Because, yes, it was. I yeah. did the stat. 68-ish, just over 68 points per game, which yeah. last time I was giving the compliment to 61 points and I wasn't even... I know. What was I thinking? That's an extra. That's an extra try. It's an extra yeah. try. Yeah. So there's there's positives and negatives to that, and uh, so the positives are is obviously there's some entertainment value in there for some of the games that are high scoring and close. You know, like the Rebels and the Hurricanes, even Chiefs Moana Pacifica. Right, the way the Moana Pacifica sort of rallied back there and made it a little bit entertaining. Uh, the Waratahs and the Dura that was pretty good there as well. But I might talk about my worst thing now because it directly ahead, links to friend. this point. And in fact, so it sort of makes Super Round a bit of a neutral point for me because the blowouts, right? Uh, the Reds and the Force, uh, Chiefs and Milan Pacifica, Crusaders and Highlanders, right? It's never nice to see uh, blowouts uh, in these games. However, one thing that, again, this is also a mixed thing, right? Because the blowouts, neither of the biggest blowouts were on the Dura or Moana Pacifica. The biggest blowouts were on the Force and Aussie team and the Highlanders, a Kiwi team, right? Which, there's, again, there's positive negatives to that, but it's like, okay, great, we've got these two Pacific teams in, and they're not just getting railed every game, right? There's equal opportunity in teams getting pounded into the dust. But we don't want to see teams getting pounded into the dust. We never want to see a 71-20 to 20 scoreline, unless you're a Queenslander. Uh, you never want to be seeing that kind of a scoreline, right? You want to be seeing uh, great games. The, the Waratahs-Dura game, I think, is a is a... A great example of where you can get a blowout, but it doesn't feel like it was the whole game was a blowout. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like the, where that was close, and then it just opened up towards the end. Um, and you, as a Fijian fan, you can feel like, ah, look, we were right in there, and then just a couple of things, and the game slipped away from us. Uh, even the Moana Pacifica one, they started to come back, and they're like, okay, we could sort of take some positive signs out of this. I don't know if you're a Force fan or a Highlanders fan, what you take out of those games, yeah. other than burn the game tape. <laughs> I it's got a real feeling of uh, when the NRL changed their rules to speed the game up. Uh, yeah. Was it not two years ago? I think it was. Yeah. And you're getting those blowouts where it's not a blowout because the teams are so far apart. It's that momentum shift. And when you get the momentum and run with it like the Reds did, it's very hard to stop. And I feel like we're in, a, in a, that place at the moment where you can see the momentum of a game can just turn like that. And if you get it going and it starts tumbling, it's really hard to stop at the moment. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm not too against. I would rather this and stick with the same old fad. I think yeah. you saw, I saw enough from that Blues Brumbies game. I think that sets the standard where you can have 45 points in one half, mm. but you show enough defense, you can have zero points in another half. So as much as you don't want to see a 71-20 blowout, if we see a couple more of them, I'll be starting to ask questions. But, that, like, I mean, there was once upon a time, I think, the Crusaders put 100 on you guys. So it's not it's not too, yeah. like, you know, disappointing. If there was, say, five, six of them in this season, I'll probably look back. But early in the season, sometimes those things happen. But I, I understand yeah. your a, a negative. You don't want teams being blown out. Yeah, I would... Would have hated to see the Hurricanes lose in that fashion um, if they would. But to go on to my points now, um, what I've kind of I've got two main points down, and then a third one, uh, which I'll touch on quickly. Um, the first one is the fatigue. Now, uh, I 
I don't say this like I enjoy seeing the fatigue, but to come back to what was the game of the round, and I think the game of the season so far, the Blues versus the Brumbies, the yep. last 10 minutes of that game was legitimately not who wanted it more, but who would survive the longest. You had yeah. RTS, Roger, 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 two of us, a Sheik, who, you know, a leaguey, has been for all that. Dahlia medalist. Dahlia medalist, yeah. best of the game one season. Yeah. Have to limp off in the 77th, 78th minute. You had you had players just down galore. It is a war of new attrition uh, because players just in this new rules, you can just tell. So this is, you know, it finally feels like rugby's at that point where when they brought out the water breaks, it's like this is why the water breaks are here because yeah. you want players to be able to go there for 80 minutes. Like you don't want Roger coming off, but you also want to, to physically test them as much as you can. And you could just see with that game, it was testing every single player out there to their fullest, to their full capacity. Even, yeah. you know, two players get a head knock and then two starters have to come back on. It's just, It was a test... That delivered. Um, mm. So that was that was one really good point, and I feel like that's where all games are going, especially close contest, uh, contests. I think that's why you got such intensity, which is my second point in that Hurricanes versus the Rebels game because it's a war of attrition, and you just players are going to go and do whatever they can to get the win to a point, uh, and so you're going to have a high level of intensity where you get players and teams. You know, squaring up like that, there was bad blood. And again, most of it started by Dane Coles because he's a pest. But it was it was a level of intensity above in a couple of those games. Even that, as I touched on again, the Blues Brumbies, I looked back and I was like, that was uh, just about a test level intensity at the end of that game yeah. where you were just like, oh, anyone could take it. So those were two really key points I learned from like second round. We're going to have a battle of attrition in some games where Again, like the Rebels seemed out of it, and then they got that momentum, and once they started to roll, if you can get that momentum turning, you're going to have a team, I think, I honestly believe, will go up by like 40 points at halftime and lose the game. Just yeah. the way momentum's rolling this season and the intensity of the games. My last started one, a bit in the Pacifica game as well, you know, just... They started yeah. to get on a roll when you were like, could this actually, again, they ran out of I feel like, again, they ran out of time rather than they actually lost that game yeah. in the end. And one thing I... I I, I, I'm gonna put this as a as a second uh, worst thing, but it's not even just about this round. It's about uh, it's about Super Rugby, I guess, in general at the moment. Uh, when you Google match results for uh, a lot of sports, you'll get the match results. You get it for Super Rugby as well. However, you will often get like a breakdown of when someone scored a goal and things like that. There's nothing like that for Super Rugby. It's just the it's just the scores. I'd like Super Rugby, get onto Google, get them to put more detailed breakdowns in there. And we could see, you know, oh, so you look at a 59 to 29, 52 to 29 score, Chiefs won a Pacifica. Oh, okay, the Chiefs were blowing them out the whole game. However, if you get a little bit more detail of just simply who scored the tries when, it becomes a lot more uh, interesting to, to look at and uh, see, oh, okay, Moana Pacifica actually rallied in there. Even the, uh, uh, even the, uh, Super Rugby website itself uh, is not the easiest to follow on about who scored when. You know, like I'm looking at it right now, and it's just I'm looking at it, it's a massive green and red triangles, and it's like, well, which team is on which side? And you know, <laughs> it's it's not easy to read, right? This is how you get people into into sports: is ease of access, ease of information, right? So, Super Rugby, elevate your game. You're doing, you're starting out. Well, you've made some good steps, but there's more work to be done. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I again, it's, it should be. The easier it is, the better it is, the simpler it is, the easier it is, I guess. Um, but, yes, uh, my worst thing for the round was Super Round. Now, I'm not saying that because I thought the round was bad. I'm saying that because, again, a lack of crowds disappoints. Like, I feel like you hold that in Allianz. I feel like you hold that... Eden Park, Forsyth Bar, even Westpac, Suncorp, you're getting a decent turnout. So two years there, I think that was a two-year deal to start off with, so it wouldn't surprise me if they move it to another venue. Um, it just makes sense. I think Sydney makes the most sense since the AFL's having their, I think it's called Gather Round, which is just the weirdest cool thing I've ever heard in my life. 
Um, but that's AFL for you and Victorians, as we've already stated on the show. Uh, strange. Um, so with them having that, with you know Queensland having the magic round, it just sounds seems right um, that Sydney get get the get this game. It's a bit weird as well. Like we've had we had the test last year, um, the All Blacks versus the Wallabies at, in Melbourne, and now we've got the MCG test this year. At, uh Sydney seems to be just missing a little bit of touch of that those big rugby events. Unfortunately, they, they've put a lot of eggs in the NRL basket. They have. Um, all right, so, yeah, those are our best and worst things from the round. Let's move on to our key points from Super Rugby Round 2. Now, the Highlanders is the first one I've got on my list. Now, the Highlanders have now con- conceded over 110 points, struggled to score points themselves. I think they've scored about 30-odd. Uh, played, obviously, two of the, the two finalists from last year. Doesn't get yeah. any easier as they face now at the top of the table, Chiefs, Chiefs. who have scored 30 on the Crusaders. Um and then scored 50 against Moana. Another blowout here, and you'll be, I guess, signalling the alarms for the Highlanders. Like, we both picked them to miss out on the top eight, and this is the reason why. I don't think that on their day they can't beat a team, and I definitely think you'd expect to see a better effort against the Chiefs, but I don't know. Yeah. When, when do you stop using excuses and just go, they're a bad team? And then my issue becomes, if they are a bad team... What happens with the All Blacks in a bad team? Because not often and not in a long time have we had like a really bad Super Rugby team. Like the Highlanders of last year, we could say were pretty bad. Like they lost a, a, a very fair, didn't win, lost more games than they won. And yeah. I look at the All Blacks in there, I look at some, like even the Groots, I look at uh, Aaron Smith as the two main ones. And he goes, when you're learning to play in a losing culture, that that must hurt. And that's not against those players. I'm not sitting there saying Aaron Smith going into the Highlanders locker room going, oh, we're going to lose again and going to take that to the All Blacks. But it is it is just a little switch on me that goes, if you're an All Black right now, in the Highlanders set up, is it time to switch your focus? Like, if I'm Aaron Smith, this is my last year for the Highlanders, am I starting to think, okay, I know I'm going to be at a World Cup later, Let's give this three or four more weeks and then I'll just move into a mental role where I just stay fit for the All Blacks because we're clearly not good enough to make the finals. I, I Yeah, it depends. I think you need to be consulting with All Blacks coaching staff because that can be seen as a very bad sort of culture move or like personality move, uh, thinking you're above the team. I think if, if I was coaching, I'd rather see a player still giving their all no matter what the circumstances are because that's the kind of play I'd want to have in my national squad. Um, it's tough though because uh, even then that might not be enough, right? You might be thinking, look, the, yes, these guys are still giving their all, but it's not good enough to shift the mark for this team, you know, and this is a New Zealand super rugby team. You know, why would I bring them into the All Blacks? There are, there are players clamoring for spots in the All Blacks that uh, – you know, why not give them a shot? Uh, it, it's it's tough, but I think for me, I'd, yeah, I'd rather see players giving it their all, and um, and, and yeah, I don't know. It's 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 it is a hard one, and I feel for those All Blacks in the Highlander squad. But look, for me, the the dates they've got to have circled: uh, week four and five, the Western Force and the Fijian Dura. Right, so the Western Force. Uh, they they won their first game against the Rebels barely, uh, and then they've just been blown out by the Reds. Yeah. Right, so they're you know an inconsistent team. They're not a terrible team. They're inconsistent, right? So that's a team you should be looking to pounce on and take advantage of and say, okay, we're we're we've had a rough first two maybe three weeks. We can bounce back though and show that it's more the quality of our opponent than it is about us. And then week five, the Fiji Endura again, similar thing. One round, one barely. Uh, fought hard at round two, but still weren't enough to do it. The Dura will have that game circled as well. You mark my words, right? Um, where so, so this week, Dura going up against the Crusaders, likely going to lose that one. They're going up against the Reds. Maybe they might win that one, but the Reds came out very strongly last week. However, the Highlanders, that's the game that Dura are like, okay, we need to start proving that us and Moana Pacifica, but more specifically us, are not bottom or bottom two of the table, right? And 
perfect team to start with on our schedule is the Highlands. They're the first of those teams of really I have three circles, right? Um, that are vulnerable to Fiji and Dura that aren't Moana Pacifica. And that's um, the Highlanders, the Rebels, and the Force, right? And so they're going to have that circle on their calendar and say, okay, this is where we could start our campaign and prove that we're not the 11th team anymore. Um, and the next week, they've got the Rebels. Uh, so that's another really good opportunity for them to uh, to prove it. So I think the Dura are going to come out firing in that game. And I think if the Highlanders lose either of those two games, that's when some serious questions are going to be starting to be asked in Dunedin. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't count the Dura out quite yet against the Crusaders because it is in Fiji the game, um, yeah. and so that adds another level to it. We saw how deafening the crowd was um, when they played the Chiefs and I believe the Highlanders there last year. So I imagine they'll be the same again. We but know the yeah. effect of a big crowd on the Crusaders when the Waratahs played them at uh, Leichhardt. Exactly, a, a big hostile crowd that that definitely gets people going um, and teams struggle with it. So, yeah, look, I I tend to agree. uh, The Highlanders, you know, yeah, after these first three rounds, if they don't pick up some serious points, uh, we'll be in a world of trouble, I think, um, because it won't get any easier after that. They'll be facing an uphill battle um, and there may be some alarm sirens blasting. So... Another team that doesn't have to worry about it on the other end of the spectrum are the Brumbies, who now go two from two against two pretty damn good uh, opposition. And the reason they're above the uh, Hurricanes in my power rankings that just went out today was the two opposition where, that they've played. The uh, Brumbies have beaten a blue side who, for all money's worth in week one, looked like the team to beat. Um, so then, you know. Believe it or not, the Brumbies obviously then now look like the team to beat. Um, and then bet the Waratahs in, in round one, who are definitely no slouches. Uh, so I kind of went, you know what, this Brumbies team, um, for both of us ranking them six, have come out, and I wouldn't say proven us wrong, but they definitely have yeah. put more doubts in my head that then, like I thought the Waratahs were for sure going to be the best team in Australian rugby, mm. uh, just with the coaching changes and everything. Uh, but Larkham and, and, and everyone in that organization has proved us wrong so far. Yeah, they've done a really, really good job, uh, the Brumbies, sort of picking up from last year. And in our pregame chat we had with a lot of the fans, uh, that was the question I asked was, you know, why do you think the Brumbies are being so discounted this year? And I think it's just because they haven't really made many headlines, right? Whereas yep. the Waratahs obviously sort of had as much as you can in Super Rugby. Um, and, you know, the new young talent, Max Jorgensen, you know, uh, Coleman, uh, another year under him, you know, Michael Hooper, he had the Kirtley Beal off-season incidents and things like that. Swinton coming back to play, Angus Bell coming back, all these things. And the Brumbies just kept on trucking, kept on going from last year. Um, you know, obviously lost uh, uh, some, some key pieces, but still are looking just as deadly. 100%, yeah. Couldn't agree more. They're flowing under one, the one thing, One thing oh, I will no. say about the, the Brumbies, though, is that I think Tom Banks is doing everything he can do to play himself out of a Wallabies jersey. Like, he's played... It's so many of the same silly mistakes. I remember the one instance sticks out of my mind against the Blues where he gets the ball, and it's a clear occasion where he should just kick the ball forward. Tom Banks or Tom Wright, sorry. Sorry, oh, Tom Wright. That's the one. I get them confused. Yeah, Yeah, Tom Wright, sorry. Tom Wright. Yeah, uh, doing Tom, everything he can. Tom find. Banks catching shots and he's over in Japan. Yeah, no, wrong, 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 wrong Tom, wrong Tom. Oh, I get they're confused because they're so not good enough to be Wallabies. Sorry, <laughs> like, uh, that's, that's pretty harsh, but I mean, I think there's going to be better options coming through. Yeah, Tom Wright, where he just carried the ball. He was a clear opportunity to kick the ball uh, and where he really should have done it inside his own 22, instead carries it out, gets caught in a crowd of blues with no one around him, penalty and the blues i believe that's what tied the blues up at 20 all with the i'll put them um 20 to 13 and then they scored a try and level it up 20 20 all like just bad decision making there and it's so frustrating because he's got such good moments where he could be such a good player but i think his decision making is just not there i think he's doing everything he can to to fall out of favor with eddie jones who came out during the week and said that plays he was looking at um were max yorkinson and ben donaldson yeah. Uh, from the Waratahs as as feature feature backs. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. I didn't watch enough of that game. I only saw the last 15 minutes to make a judgment call on Tom Wright. He looked again. He's a league background, so attacking flair is always going to be there. I think he's definitely best suited to a wing position, yeah, fullback position. But um, 
I mean, the Brumbies are still 2-0 and doing the job for now. Uh, another team, just quickly wanted to mention the Crusaders uh, bouncing back in a big way. I know it's only the Highlanders who mentioned them, but... I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to be facing the Crusaders after they've just had a loss. That's yeah. one thing I think we've all learnt from our time um, watching the Crusaders play. But uh, again, just a quick bounce back, and then the team uh, who deserves at least some praise from me after yeah. I wrote them off and said they're going to come eleventh to put seventy-one points uh, on the force. Uh, that hurt. That hurt a lot yeah. uh, for me to see, just because of perspective of what I've picked and what I've said and the belief I had that the Reds weren't going to do much this season, um, they shut me up real quick with that. Mm-hmm. Shall we yep, move shout on out. to the biggest talking point of the round, though? Yes. Adi Savia, Simbins, wrongfully so. Uh, <laughs> what, there was something that happened after he got Simbins? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, no. rugby's, rugby's bad boy, Adi Savia. <laughs> infamous, infamous oh. uh, bad boy and... Uh, bad. Poor personality. Say? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you invited me to be on the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Adi Savia. Uh, I guess for anyone that didn't know and didn't pick up on my gesture before, made a threatening gesture uh, at a Melbourne Rebels player. Uh, I've, you, you see reactions all across the spectrum of um, from the point of um, you know the usual. Uh, outrage of disgusting, obscene, what's happening to our game kind of thing, as if this shit didn't happen all the time. Or, <laughs> you know, you listen to old people talk about rugby in rugby league, right? You think that back in the day, everyone just was just shaking hands after every play. Um, everyone was super polite and, uh, you know, was, was bestest of buddies. Um, and there wasn't anything like a Tommy Radonicus yelling cattle dog to get people to punch each other and things like that like it was just a, a gentleman's game and it, it's always been, it's just the the modern players it's just the youths of today are just so just blah, blah 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 as if they were all totally innocent um and then you have the other side of things where it was just like you know toughen up sunshine it was a it was a gesture who the fuck cares for me i sort of land somewhere in the middle it's not i think about the impact on the field i think if you saw this at a grassroots rugby game not much would be made of it but i think because the fact that it's televised it's super end where you're trying to get lots of families coming in and things like that as well that you just can't have that uh on the field because you know kids pick up on what they see their idols do it's why we see like instagrams and tiktoks of kids playing basketball and doing their like favorite basketball nba players like moves and things like that and it's like you're 60 so what what the hell are you doing? Like, and it's so disrespectful to their opponents and things like that. And it's more important to teach kids to, you know, uh, to 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 be that ideal that the old people say that the game used to be, right? Because the game didn't used to be that, but that's what we want the game to be, and that's what we should be teaching the, the young people to to be doing is to be respectful of your opponent. At the end of the day, it is just a game, and the other person is competing and trying just as hard as you are, and so you should give them respect for that. So. Those kind of threat injustices, I don't think, has a place in uh, professional sports. You know, I think if you're going to do anything like that, the grabbing of the jersey is is enough. And if you're going to throw a punch, throw a punch. You know, but we don't need, you know, throat slitting gestures. Ever in the NBA, a player's just been taken time away from the team, slash suspended for flashing a gun on an Instagram video and things like that. It's like we don't need that stuff in the professional sports. Everyone recognizes you're a tough guy, right? You're playing rugby union at the highest level on the best teams, right? Everyone knows you're a hard man. Don't need to prove it by doing gestures and other silly shit like that. Like, I, I, I don't admit I lost a bit of respect for him for, for doing that. You know, I would have rather he just thrown a punch. I would have more respect for him for just throwing a punch. Uh, I can see that. I, your opinion, totally. And I understand yeah. that. I... I'm I'm actually happy he didn't throw a punch and this was it because if he throws a punch it really gets taken like especially union like in league or state of O is about the only time where someone like in league you can throw a punch because the buff used to be all serious like if he threw a punch I think that would would have really kicked on and kicked something off um, I think I I I tend to agree with you like where I sit in the middle again I think he apologised straight away afterwards. 
yeah. there shouldn't be anything more on it. I think it was a bad look. However, we're asking growing ass men, 100 kilos plus, to tackle each other, smash each other for 80 minutes. If you say something, and again, we, we weren't in the, the middle of all that, so let's say... Yeah. Again, and again, I, I imagine being the, the classy player that Artie Savia is, he won't come out and say that someone told him to go get yeah. effed or, you know, said something about his family or something like that. Um, yeah. And again, I'm not saying a Rebels player did that as well. I, I want to make that clear. We just don't know the full story, what actually happened in the middle there. And we'll never know the full story. And I think he got carried away with what was happening. You're asking guys to, again, compete at the highest level in a contact sport. You're going to get reactions like this. Um, I am happy that he apologised. Like, I am glad that yes, he understood what, what he did. Like, again, there, there's a point to it. And, you know, we ask players to be characters because we love characters in our sport. And a good example is Luttrell, um, who kicked a... Uh, a conversion against the Sharks and then gave the crowd a little bit of a G up, you know, nothing too much. Again, as far as I can see it, concerned it, entertaining as hell. Um, yep. And all the comments on the Instagram or Facebook page or whoever it was that posted it was bashing him, like, oh, why does he do this? He just winds him up and then cries wolf. It's like, you know, we want our players to have a bit of character. Again, I think this one oversteps that line. And I think Artie's uh, the first to, yeah. to admit that it did. But I don't mind it if we get a bit more characters kind of coming out and we get that tense rivalry. Like, I can't, I couldn't, I think that Melbourne versus the Hurricanes now like a, like after that game, it felt like there was some rivalry there, which, you know, yeah. you don't often get when you're playing those sort of rugby teams. So, uh, again, you don't want it, but you do want, like, I could only imagine, like, the the headline. Let's say the Hurricanes finish first, the, the Rebels finish eighth in the quarter, you know, playoff in the quarterfinals, and it's the last time they faced off and it got overheated and you just see the fritz yeah. slip, slip, slip. Like, it, it's great TV, but it's, it's not for what we want from the game. Like you said, I think you put it really well. Yeah. It's not what we expect from the game, what we want from the game. But, again, to me... For, me, for me, the issue is, is that it takes it... Um, off the field, right? You know, like when I say I'd rather you throw a punch, you throw a punch and then it's on the field, right? You've, you've hit someone on the field. Yes, you'll get the discipline and things like that and there'll be, but that's to you, the player individually. When you do it just a threatening to kill someone, that is like threatening something off the field, right? That's where, where it implies there's violence off the field going to happen, where it goes beyond just, I'm competing against you and I don't like you while I'm on this field with you. Um, where if you, you know, if you have a bit of a biff up on field at the end of the game, you can just get over. It. As long as it's not like a coward punch or something, where you yeah. run in from the side and just bash them. If you're there yelling at someone's face and you throw a punch, you heat your two men heated at each other. There's probably violence coming. At least the other person can sense it. If it's a coward punch, no, that's terrible. But when you're doing something, you threaten someone like that. It's like you're threatening them off the field. That's where I take a, more of an issue with it. Where it's in, it's implying that. This violence, this aggressiveness you feel towards the other person is going to continue off the field, and they should be worried about that. As absurd as that sounds, yeah, but yeah. that is sort of that. Then trans, I'm talking because, as I said, this transitions through to the lower levels, right? And we have seen in league, which we don't something we don't want to emulate, is in the lower grades, in the junior grades, where people's families end up getting involved and fighting the field. We've had murders at rugby league games and things like that. And that's not something we want to transition through. So I'm not implying that Artie Savia would, uh, would attack a Melbourne Rebels player off the field, but I'm saying that influence that it has on the lower levels and the junior grades, that's where, and, I, and this is why it's good. He apologized and explain why it's wrong because we don't want to see that carrying through the lower levels because People are easily influenced by their superstars. Yeah, I guess. And I've got two questions, and these this will be interesting, just a little topic to, to talk about. A, if he says the words, I'm going to kill you, do you think it's worse or better or the same? I think it, I think it's, you know, and this is going to sound like a maybe a bit of a cop-out, but it depends on if the, if the cameras pick it up or not. Oh, sorry, if the microphones pick it up or not, because you can argue some ambiguity there maybe. Whereas there's nothing ambiguous about this, and every camera is going to see this, right? It's clear; no one can misinterpret it, or whatever. And it goes beyond language, right? Well, okay, if so you... say say it's caught on camera, like or caught on the wrist mic that Ari Savia yeah. said, "I'm gonna fucking kill you when I get back on." Yeah, I actually think it's better because 
that can be interpreted as like he's going to hit him really hard in a tackle or something like so that. So what I'm what yeah. So what I'm going to argue to the point here is we didn't know what Adi Savi's interpretation is. So a lot of people again will but, again us us included yeah. will interpret it like I'm going to kill you. But in my interpretation from a rugby player, I know all he's doing is telling me he's going to try and kill me on the rugby field. But I can get your your this, point of view as well. It's different though. It's different. The gesture clearly implies murder, like slitting someone's throat. It literally yeah. is slitting so, throat. So are the words, but, if I say the words, I'm no, going to No, not necessarily. That's the thing, right? Because the words are more open to interpretation than the gesture is. Okay, That's cool. the thing. Which is all right. That's all right. Second question. Now, this one is more of interest to me. And yeah. uh, again, it's a touchy subject. If the player was white, do you think there's a different reaction to it and i'm not saying different reaction to yeah. us because i think our reactions would be the same i honestly do because he's got a maori pacifica background and this is part of their again culture like a haka once upon a time yeah. did end with that do you think that has taken effect on it because in my in my own belief i think it has i think if a white player does this he gets the the hitter, it depends what happens. I think he gets the same yeah. stuff kind of thrown at him. It's not a good look. It's not this. It's not that. I don't think the media comes down as hard as they've come down on Artie Savia. Just for I, your opinion, though. Look, I, I, I'm honestly, I, cause I don't know that much about, I guess, um, how Pacifica people are viewed in New Zealand. Um, but I, let's take, let's see if we transition the example to, like, say, if an Aboriginal player did it and it was being viewed by the Australian media because this has been more heavily scrutinized by the New Zealand media than yep. the Australian media for obvious reasons let's say it was a Pacifica player in Australia or an Aboriginal uh, sorry Indigenous Australian player here in Australia uh, as compared to uh, uh, like an Anglo-Saxon player yes I think the reaction is different and so for that reason I probably I would say probably yes the reaction is different from Artis if things are similar in New Zealand compared to how they are here in Australia and it might only be subtle I feel like it might only be so because from what I've seen of a lot of the news things, uh, and this is just from what I've seen, it might be different from what you've seen. It's not, uh, it's not been like as massive as say Latrell did it in rugby league, right? I think rugby league is players' behaviour is under a bit more of a microscope than rugby union, uh, but I still think there might be some element to that. I don't know how much because I don't know that much about, uh, I guess you know like racial relations in New Zealand. Yeah. But uh, I think I think you'd be silly to say that it hasn't played into it. Yeah, interesting, and 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 I think that's a good opinion as well. I don't think our opinions would change. Again, we 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 can't guarantee that, but I would would hope so at least. Um, but it was just something that ticked in my head. I was like, I reckon if this was a Dane Coles type thing it would have been played off slightly differently than it's playing off at the moment, which is really interesting. Um, but like you said, I mean, I read an article in the Sydney Morning Herald that <laughs> was talking about how the Waratahs will be watching um, how Adi Savi's citation goes because they play him in two weeks. It wasn't, they're not worried about the outcome for him yeah. if it's as a bad thing for the sport. It's more, will he be playing in two weeks? Um, yes. And will we have to face him? So, I mean, yeah, I, lots of mixed messages. I think in the end... You sit on the middle, you, you, you're not, like, I don't think this is the most disgusting act you'll ever see on a rugby field. Uh. I don't think this is what should be on the rugby field as well, if we put it that way. Um, yeah. We'll move on from that, though. That was, it, it's an interesting point, and I just, when these yeah. incidents like this come up, I think it's a time for discussion rather than, um, I guess, finger pointing yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I do love discussing. It's, yeah, it is that. very much like a moment of, like, you know, Look, Artie, you fucked up. It's not what you see in the game. Slap on the wrist, move on. It's not as if like uh, he's. It's not as if he's done something truly terrible. You know, it's not like he's done a John Hopperwide. <laughs> we'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't gone that far. Um, Marcus Smith uh, obviously was dropped from the English side. Then put on a man of the match performance for his Harlequins side um, before you announced to me today that he's back into the English squad. Yep. So, I mean, it's a turnaround. And this is what's great about English rugby, at least. Um, and I'll be interested to see how much communication Borfuck had with him about getting dropped, going down, and playing a hell of a performance. It is, it, 
it's a realization, and this is what I love about rugby that the 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 highest level of the game is international rugby, and there isn't no doubt about it. You can have yep. players who absolutely tear up um, in Super Rugby or a, a, a solid Super Rugby players that just can't make the step up. <coughs> Rob Simmons, <coughs> um, to name one example, Stephen Donald for another as an All Black example, who you know were careers out of being super rugby players um, but never making that step up to international. I'm not saying that's happening with Marcus Smith but it just I love when you see situations like this and it shows that hey there is a massive step up. You can put a Marcus Smith into the premiership and he'll work wonders but to be an English rugby player you've got to be up a whole nother level. Yes. 100%. Last. And yeah. It's, it's good when I like when players respond like that. You know? 100%. Uh, last point um New Zealand rugby coaching decision. Now, I just wanted to bring this out because, purely because, A, I've got an interested stake in it because it's the All Blacks, but also you've recently gone through a coaching change and I kind of wanted to compare the coaching changes or the lack of coaching changes. So Ian Foster's come out and said he's not going to stick around or reapply after the World Cup, which I think is yeah. a fantastic way to do it. However, now we know a new All Blacks coach is coming. The, the two that have been tipped uh, over Jamie Joseph or Razor, um, Scott Robinson, the All Blacks committee have said it's going to take six weeks, about two weeks ago, that it's to make their decision. Razor was dropping hints like it was no end in the New Zealand media. All this is dragging out yet again, like New Zealand rugby did with Ian Foster last, um, last year. What had me thinking was the differences we have in our two situations right now. So, obviously, Wallabies were like that. Snap, decision made, boom, done. We're doing what we think's best. New Zealand rugby, have to go for a fucking committee of eight people to do any decision made and ever, it seems like. Um, I just, yeah, hearing that, what are your thoughts on that coaching situation first? And then I'll hear what, I'll kind of give my explanation of who I want the coach to be and why. Yeah, I guess... It's a, it's a luxury for New Zealand rugby. You've got, for Australian rugby, I think there was a snap decision that was forced by circumstance. I'm sure they wished it could have been handled differently, and it means they're going to have to wear the responsibility of the outcome, particularly this World Cup, on their shoulders uh, more heavily than if they'd been able to go through um, uh, a committee-like process, which is odd to say because... Arguably, if you go through that committee-like process and things like that, you've done more uh, due diligence. Uh, I always struggle saying it. Due, dil- <laughs> due diligence. Due diligence. And so, and so you should um, face more consequences because you'd be more certain in your decision because you spent all this time and energy uh, you know, investing uh, in your options. Um, but because they've made that snap decision, they're going to wear that more heavily. Uh, whereas I think because New Zealand rugby is taking their time a bit, they will bear le- they f- the, the perception is they'll bear less responsibility in, in it, which is really weird. It's it's a it's a paradox, really. Um, yeah, I guess for for me, like looking at it, yeah, I think New Zealand rugby is doing the right thing. It's taking their time and being certain of their next move because I think they face they face such criticism for the Ian Foster uh, simply because he hasn't won every single game he's coached, right? <laughs> uh, you know. He still had a pretty solid international record, uh, and he's had some stumbling blocks against some tough, tough opponents, right? Um, yeah. But it's just not the level of invincibility that all black supporters have had the luxury of experiencing the last few years. Uh, so I think they want to try and find a coach who will bring back that invincibility. Now I don't know if they will do that because I don't think I, guess I think international rugby isn't going to allow them to do that anymore. Uh, but you know, why wouldn't you spend the, the appropriate amount of time doing it? If you've got the time, if, Foster, if if you're not feeling like you have to do this covertly behind in Foster's back, if the candidates know who they are and the public knows who they are, right, you can be pretty open air about all of it uh, and above board about your process. Uh, and at the end of the day, any time you make a decision you can, in, at these levels with these high stakes, you're going to get criticized. You're never going to have a solution that makes everybody perfectly happy. So, but I think they're doing their best they can to, to find the right candidate for the position. So I guess, it, yeah, there is frustration from a fan's perspective because it is taking so long and I understand that. And 
but I'm sure each fan has got their own perfectly clear idea of who should be the next coach and why can't the committee, why can't New Zealand rugby just see that it should be this person <laughs> so clearly, you know, but uh, when you're the person actually making the decision, you want to make sure you're making the right decision yeah, or at least the enough. best decision possible. I guess I feel like it shouldn't take six weeks to make this decision is the only thing that to me stands, like blares out like, you know, you let's say you have them for free interviews, you can do that in, within three weeks and go away and probably make a decision from there. It shouldn't be that hard to decide. Now, it depends who they're um, interviewing and, and everything. If it is a battle between those two that I mentioned earlier, Jamie Joseph and Razor, that'll be a hell of a battle because Jamie Joseph has got some extraordinary results from his time coaching. He's probably the only man that could stand up to Razor and have a shot. So I imagine it's, it's something like that is the only way. Maybe, let's say, Ronan O'Gara... Uh, put his hat in there just because I know he's done some work with the Crusaders before, something like that out of the blue, but I don't see it not being Scott Robinson. So my belief is they've just taken six weeks to make sure he's 100% the right man for this job. Um, But yeah, I can't see it not being Scott Robinson in all of my belief, Uh, which I think will be a good step for the All Blacks. It's the direction I believe they need to head in. Um, and I'm just glad we've been able to hold on to it. Um, so, yeah, interesting times ahead. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, next week, obviously, Six Nations is back, so we'll see England and France uh, battle, in which will really define my French hatred, if I can fully go in <laughs> on the French, if I absolutely drop the mic and go crazy at all the yep. Frenchmen. If you do not beat the English in Twickenham... I'll let you know about it. Scotland host Ireland, which will pretty much, I think, define whether Ireland get a Grand Slam in Scotland. Um, Because if they beat Scotland, I think they will go ahead and do it. Super Rugby game of the round looks to be the Hurricanes and the Blues, but you also have the Brumbies against a a rejuvenated Reds, who um, obviously put 70 points on last week. So... Lots of exciting footy to go. Um, make sure you subscribe and follow everything on our YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. You'll find us all over the place there. Um, clips of the podcast and other videos we do. However, for now, we will see you later. Goodbye. Peace.